Cowboy Joe has been riding his latest hobby horse and already fallen off with a spectacular faceplant in the muck of political rejection. Joe Biden's fanciful quest to ram through a federal takeover of voting rules was dead on arrival before the ink was even dry. Passage was entirely dependent on killing the Senate filibuster, which was futile since not all members of his own party were willing to dump the durable rule. But Joe was either delusional or clueless, maybe both. He surged full steam ahead into a brick wall. Instead of addressing the very real problems that plague hardworking Americans each and every day, Biden invested what little political capital he had on something that was destined to fail. What Biden has never fully understood is that people care most about what troubles their daily lives. Currently, it's the staggering grocery bills caused by record inflation, empty store shelves, soaring gas prices at the pumps, spiraling energy costs to heat their homes during a frigid winter, and a relentless pandemic that has disrupted every aspect of American lives. All of this is obvious to any thinking human being, but Joe Biden is oblivious to what Americans need and want. Why is that? Well, likely because he's resided comfortably off the taxpayer dime his whole adult life. He has no idea what living and working in the real world is like. Joe openly admitted that his poll numbers are so atrocious, he doesn't look at them anymore. He should. Maybe it would knock some sense into him. A new CBS News poll shows that a sizable majority of Americans say Joe Biden has not done enough about the economy, 62%, and inflation, 72%. Nearly 70% disapprove of his handling of the pandemic. They complain they're disappointed and frustrated with Joe as their president. No kidding. Another poll finds that a scant 15% of Americans, 15%, trust Joe Biden for COVID information. And a third poll by Quinnipiac gives Biden an overall abysmal approval rating of just 33%. Pesky mosquitoes are held in higher esteem. What do all of these polls tell us? Well, they tell us that Joe Biden, as many predicted, is a stupendous failure as president. The news website Axios even published an article entitled Biden's Epic Failures. It's a long list, so pull up a chair and get comfortable. Never before has an American president bombed so badly and performed so clumsily in such a short period of time. But anyone acquainted with Biden's record in public office over the last five decades is not at all surprised. Incompetence has always been Joe's calling card, a tired and hackneyed politician who can't manage to think straight. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author... This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. To all my listeners with an IRA, 401k, or other retirement savings, 
Have you seen the headlines today? Our federal debt has now reached over $29 trillion. What our government is not saying is that the Fed is running out of ways to fight this growing debt bomb. Inflation and tax hikes may be their only way out. We all dodged a bullet when Senator Joe Manchin announced he wouldn't support the Democrats' crazy Build Back Better plan, but the Democrats may not give up that easily. That is not good news for hardworking American taxpayers. Whatever Biden and his cronies do in 2022 may mean even higher inflation. The more the dollar comes under attack, the more physical gold and silver could protect your money. So if you have $50,000 or more in your retirement savings, your money could be at risk. Learn how you can protect your life savings from Biden's tax plans with physical gold and silver. Call 855-665-0767 to receive your wealth protection kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767 and Golco may give you $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualified account. That's why Goldco is the only company I recommend for gold and silver. Goldco is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a five-time Inc. winner with countless five-star reviews. So what are you waiting for? Call 855-665-0767. That's 855-665-0767. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Cicero once observed, quote, Every person makes mistakes, but only a fool persists in his own delusions. I'm guessing that the great Roman statesman must have known a fool just like Joe Biden. Our current president's delusions of certitude and righteousness have led directly to his early political demise. Unfortunately, the damage he's doing to the economic landscape of our nation is devastating. Americans are suffering, while old Joe, with delusions of grandeur, chases his radical social agenda. It didn't have to be that way. In fact, Joe promised it would not. He vowed to revitalize our economy, halt the pandemic, end the rage, and heal the divide. He assured us that he would act as a moderate and govern from the center. None of it has come true. It was all a lie to get elected. On the eve of one year in office, we can look back in horror at how Joe Biden has self-inflicted one crisis after another. The southern border disaster, the deadly Afghanistan debacle, anemic job reports, runaway inflation, shortages of goods and services, choking energy dependence, unchecked violent crime, and threats from Russia, China, and Iran. All the while, the virus he solemnly promised to shut down rages on. Is Biden tackling any of these problems in earnest? No. He signed on to the Liberals' Green New Deal policies, drove America away from energy independence, pursued tax-and-spend legislation that only exacerbates the inflationary threat, labeled concerned parents as domestic terrorists, threatened to pack the U.S. Supreme Court and abolish the filibuster, and lifted not a finger 
to tamp down the rising crime that has rendered major cities a wreckage of fear and loathing. Biden's bromide for what ails America is a smothering federal voting law. Huh? That's right. All will be well and democracy saved if only Congress will approve a bill that stands zero chance of passing. Stop scratching your head. It won't help. You'll never be able to figure out how a voting law will cure the economic and pandemic-related seizures that have left the country on life support. It's the equivalent of telling a cancer patient, go suck on a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. Joe is an empty vessel, an aging, senile performer who reads words written for him by his handlers. His histrionics over voting rights is nothing more than a diversion. The puppeteers who manipulate the strings hope to distract from his and their own disastrous agenda by ginning up hysteria over the election boogeyman. It's a sleight of hand that should fool no one. In reality, Biden is pandering to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, an exceedingly small but boisterous fringe that has commandeered an outsized role in American politics. Joe is also trying in vain to consolidate power for a party that's quickly losing it. To accomplish this, Biden has hyperinflated the mortal dangers of opposing his voting panacea. If you're against it, you're a white supremacist, a racist, and the ghost of Jim Crow. You're Jefferson Davis, George Wallace, and Bull Connor all rolled into one. No amount of frenzied propaganda or racist demagoguery has been spared. Biden will pillory anyone who dares to disagree with him. And his litmus test is the color of your skin. So you may be wondering, just who is the bigot here? Joe Biden, of course. The president's unpresidential speech in Georgia hit a low watermark even for Biden. Al Sharpton, who knows a thing or two about race baiting, blasted Joe's rant, calling it a you're-going-to-hell tirade that would only alienate most American voters. For once, the Reverend was right. Senator Dick Durbin, the number two Democrat in the U.S. Senate, conceded that Biden went too far in his racially charged harangue. You think? Almost immediately, the White House transitioned to damage control mode and began backpedaling furiously. Chief Flack Jen Psaki offered an abstruse word salad that her boss was not making a human comparison to segregationists and those who oppose his voting bill. What's that? Say again? I'm trying to make sense of that senseless statement, Jen. One more time for the uneducated, please. Biden's diatribe of rage extended beyond the usual suspects, Republican racists, that is. He took direct aim at two senators in his own party for failing to capitulate to his demand that they kill the longstanding filibuster rule to pass his voting bill. He bullied Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema with all the aplomb of a tree surgeon performing a heart transplant. It didn't work. His thuggish tactics had the opposite effect. 
of stealing their resolve against him. Forget that Biden famously railed against changing the filibuster on numerous occasions while serving in the Senate. He called it disastrous for democracy. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer once said that renouncing the filibuster would be doomsday for democracy. It's funny, isn't it, how fungible democracy can be when it's exploited as a political football and tossed around for partisan gain. In Joe Biden's Washington, a principled stance always succumbs to political expediency. Naturally, the media lapdogs, who serve as an instrumental arm of the Democratic Party, took up Joe's cause with gusto. They condemned cinema in particular as a, quote, soulless coward and a menace to democracy. Others repeated ad nauseum that democracy is now hanging by a thread. What's happening here is quite obvious. The liberal media elite in close partnership with Biden, have now elevated the politics of rage to an art form, pop art, which in my judgment stinks like locker socks in a high school gym. Biden promised us civility. He produced animus. He pledged unity and gave us division. Instead of healing the nation, he opened new wounds. In one short year, Joe has replaced the prospect of goodwill and bipartisanship with hostility and hate. If you have the audacity to oppose Joe or disagree with his progressive agenda, you will be denounced and demonized. Receiving far less attention is Biden's voting legislation itself. There are actually two bills. Together, they would gut voter identification laws in all states and make it difficult to determine the eligibility and verification of voters. Political operatives would be allowed to harvest mail or absentee ballots by going to people's homes to retrieve them. The last nationwide commission to examine that idea called it a recipe for fraud. Polls show that Americans overwhelmingly support voter identification laws which exist in both red and blue states. This improves voter integrity. But Biden claims they disenfranchise minority voters despite no empirical evidence of that. It's curious that he never criticized Delaware's voter ID law. In fact, few states have more limited voting than Biden's state, where mail-in ballots are restricted. And Delaware has no in-person early voting whatsoever. But Joe Biden is not the only hypocrite. Chuck Schumer has never objected to New York's onerous voting rules or tried to change them. Proponents of Biden's bills also claim that they're needed to override Georgia's new voting law, which they decry as voter suppression. In truth, Georgia's law significantly extends the number of days that voters can cast ballots, adding weekends for early voting. Georgians are also allowed to vote by mail. No excuse for an absentee ballot is required. Drop boxes have been expanded and are now required for all 159 counties. 
It is now easier to produce identification in Georgia. Those who don't have a driver's license can simply show a free state voter ID card or offer the last four digits of their social security number, a bank statement, even a utility bill. It is far more difficult to vote in Joe Biden's home state than it is in Georgia and in Schumer's state, too. In Georgia, anyone can get a mail ballot, not in New York. Joining me now to talk about this is the former Speaker of the House of Representatives, Newt Gingrich. He's the host of the podcast Newt's World and the author of his latest book called Beyond Biden. Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for being with me. Uh, let's begin with Biden's demagoguery, uh, which I think has been alarming, to say the least. Uh, you know, if you oppose a federal takeover of elections, you're against Abraham Lincoln. He said you're a, a segregationist, a racist. My goodness, this is the president of the United States shouting that millions of Americans and 52 senators are racists and domestic enemies unless he gets his way. Uh, I think by any reasonable standard, it was offensive. Your reaction? Well, it's offensive, but it's also what happens when you get isolated with your partisans and you're in an echo chamber that the uh, propagandistic media reinforces. And so nobody breaks in to say, you know, that's kind of goofy. And the result is they gradually talk themselves further and further and further into hysteria, and then the hysteria seems normal, uh, and you're faced with uh, a situation where people can say the craziest things because for over a five or six-year period, they've been building that pattern. And I think, uh, I think that's the framework you have to look at to have a sense of uh, what's going on. I mean, it's true for all of them. If you, if you listen uh, starting with Hillary's campaign in 2016, there's this sense that they are the one true faith and they are just mystified uh, with anybody who <clears throat> doesn't automatically uh, go to the church of left-wing craziness. Hmm. Um, we were happy to have you on in particular, not just because you were a speaker, but you're from Georgia. You taught history in Georgia. You were a congressman there, Speaker of the House from Georgia. Um, And and Biden's venom uh, takes particular aim at your state of Georgia, which is, of course, where he delivered that speech. Uh, He raged that the right to vote among minorities is being suppressed. In point of fact, last year, African-American voters in Georgia turned out in record numbers, 64 percent. That's far higher then many blue states, for example, Massachusetts, black voter turnout there was 36 percent. And Georgia, of course, elected two Democratic senators, one of whom is black. So when Joe Biden claims, Mr. Speaker, that that Georgia is Jim Crow 2.0, don't the facts put a lie to that claim? Sure. But I mean, look, if facts mattered, these people couldn't be who they are. Uh, none of these facts relate to the the world that they that they live in, the fantasy that they believe in, and so I think you have to start from that premise that um, Ronald Reagan once said, "It isn't what liberals didn't know that worried him; it's what they knew that isn't true." 
and I think that uh, we're having the same cycle that Reagan saw. You have, I, I think in part, it's a, it's a funny story. Stacey Abrams had to explain her defeat as a non-defeat, in many ways a forerunner of Donald Trump. So she went around basically saying she'd been elected governor, even though Brian Kemp was governor. Uh, and then she had to con you know, build up this whole mythology of uh, Georgia vote theft to explain her defeat, and it got out of control. I mean, ironically, she had raised an enormous amount of money. She did a great job in 2020 in organizing Georgians, turning out uh, pro-Biden voters, uh, particularly black, but also white and others. Um, and suddenly she'd created this monster because now that Georgia had become uh, this terrible place, uh, you know, the, the all-star game was taken away. Uh, which uh, estimated $100 million in damages, largely to black-owned small businesses in Atlanta. Then suddenly Stacy found that the uh, tiger she had grown was in danger of eating her. Uh, by the time uh, Biden got, and it was a great irony, I have to say, as a Georgian, that they, they lost the All-Star game, so they got the World Series, <laughs> uh, which turned out to be far more profitable. But uh, finally, uh, you know, Biden was in such bad shape she wouldn't even come to the event, which in many ways she had created. Um, and Biden shows up. It was his second viciously Civil War-like speech, the first being on January 6th. And again, it's, it's part of the general hysteria. Uh, if you point out that uh, Georgia voting law provides for more voting opportunities than Delaware, uh, you point out that the Black turnout in Georgia is bigger than the turnout in, Gen in Delaware. You point out that on, by every reasonable standard, what Biden wants to do is oppose. I mean, uh, something like 86% of Americans believe you should be able to identify who you are. Right. And, do, and that, that includes a vast majority of African Americans, a vast majority of Latinos, uh, and the left just can't cope with it. Uh, so they live in their, their little isolated world, uh, chanting with each other, that what they're doing is right, uh, and that we should recognize uh, their fantasies. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's really bizarre. There's a, uh, an, 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 a psychologist named Glad Sad, who is uh, a Lebanese, who says that he lived through two civil wars, one as a teenager in Beirut, and the other for 20 years on a college campus in Canada. And he wrote a book about the degree to which the left is now infected by a virus and cannot think that the virus locks their brain up into a world that's crazy. And I, I think there's, there's more to that than you might imagine, that what we're dealing with is a mental health problem, not an ideology problem. <laughs> that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, Georgia's new law does not actually restrict or subvert or suppress voters, as you know, Joe Biden claims it. It's really the opposite, and I've, I've studied it in immense detail. It, it does, as you say, actually expand voting opportunities. It extends the number of days for early voting. Uh, before the pandemic, Georgia had zero drop boxes. The new voting law makes them mandatory in all of the counties in, in Georgia. And the new uh, and the voter identification provision is much less restrictive than Joe Biden's home state of Delaware and other Democrat-run states like Chuck Schumer's New York. Moreover, you can receive a mail ballot without even giving a reason in Georgia. That's not true in many blue states. 
So, uh, you know, I wonder, is, is Joe Biden deliberately misrepresenting Georgia's voting law or, or does he ju- sure. does he just not understand it? And, you know, he can't resist the opportunity to demagogue and demonize people. Look, remember, you're dealing with somebody who claimed once again that he had been arrested as part of the civil rights movement, something which is so totally dishonest that the Washington Post has now twice given it four Pinocchios, which is the most you can get for being an absolute total liar. Um, There's no reason to believe that Joe Biden understands the truth, recognizes the truth, has any personal relationship with the truth. Uh, So the idea that, oh, gee, they, they just happen to say viciously means things, which, frankly, if you read his January 6th speech in the Capitol, it is as divisive and as inflammatory as any speech ever given by an American president. Uh, it, is a, it is a call to war against about half the American people. Uh, and then you read his speech in, Florida, in Georgia, and you realize this is a guy who is in many ways deranged. Uh, you have a president of the United States, and I find it very, quite frightening, who just literally uh, is going around uh, attacking other people, uh, behaving a lot like uh, somebody who is uh, irritated and angry that the world isn't working the way he'd like it to work. And so he therefore has the opportunity to go and assault anybody he wants to. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary given the power of the presidency to have uh, that kind of behavior. Let's talk about Biden's demand that the filibuster uh, in the Senate be abolished. I mean, this coming from a guy who spent his 36-year career in the Senate using the filibuster and and defending it as a bulwark of democracy. Now he wants to nuke it. Uh, Beyond hypocritical, isn't this an example of a politician utterly devoid of principles, willing to do and say anything for partisan gain, including, you know, calling everybody a racist. Well, yeah, but I think, but, but I think it's deeper than that. I mean, you have, you have Senator Schumer doing the same thing. What, what you have is um, a movement on the American left, which is so alienated from the American experience that it is imposing a series of radical steps on the country. And the politicians who believe that they owe their future to that radical left, which certainly includes Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and Harris, uh, believe that they have to operate in this alternative reality. Uh, And so it doesn't matter what they said in the past. Uh, They're they're now, I, I was very struck, you know, Humpty Dumpty, tells Alice in Wonderland that uh, all this, I think it's actually an Alice through the looking glass, that uh, words mean whatever you want them to mean. And it's only a question of who's going to be the master, you or the word. Uh, and in a sense, that's where the Democrats are. You, you, it doesn't matter what they used to say. It doesn't matter what they used to believe. It doesn't matter that in the period where uh, Biden claimed he was being arrested for civil rights, he was actually working, co-sponsoring uh, with Jesse Helms, a bill to stop busing. Uh, and in fact, in his early career, he was very soft on civil rights because the Delaware of that era was still a largely Southern state and he was pandering to the voters. So I, I think the most accurate thing is that this is a man who will say and do anything whose word has no meaning, 
uh, and who could tomorrow morning end up uh, being in exactly the opposite direction of where he is right now. And of course, what has just crushed their ability to do anything is the fact that you have in cinema and mansion two Democrats who are not going to go along with screwing up the, 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 the Senate and destroying the filibuster. And as a result, they can't, they don't have a clean shot at blaming the Republicans. Uh, and the real story that the news media, despite itself, is having to cover is that uh, Biden is being blocked by two members of his own party uh, at fully as much as is being blocked by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, the demonization of, of cinema in particular I, strikes me as so despicable. She and Manchin both, it seems, are, are simply voting their conscience. They understand the value of the longstanding filibuster rule in the U.S. Senate. If you get rid of it, there would be legislative whiplash every time power in Congress shifts from one party back to the other and, and back and forth like a pendulum. That is not how our framers designed our legislature, is it? I mean, you taught history. I, I suspect you know this better than anyone. Well, I mean, there's no question that they designed the Senate to be a check on the House and to be a protector of long-term values. Uh, as Washington supposedly said to Jefferson, uh, the Senate is the cooling saucer to the hot cup of coffee from the House. Uh, and these were very smart people who understood that in a pure democracy, you get wild swings of emotion and you can get very, very badly damaging ideas. So in creating a Senate which had a filibuster, they were deliberately creating a system which would slow down and get us to wisdom rather than a rush to judgment. And uh, I think they would argue that this is precisely uh, how they wanted it to work. But, but deeper than that, uh, what you have going on right now is uh, the assertion by cinema, in particular in Manchin to some extent, that their individual judgment outweighs the pressure of the left and that they are not going to be pushed or bullied or shoved into doing something they don't believe in. And that is a, a remarkable moment. And of course, in Cinema's case, uh, it also means that the junior senator, uh, Mark Kelly, is under enormous pressure to go along with her because she is behaving in exactly the style of Barry Goldwater and John McCain, which is to be a maverick, to do what you honestly, personally believe in, to not worry about the consequences, and as a result, to be so loved by Arizonans that it's virtually impossible to defeat you. Yeah. Finally, Mr. Speaker, um, let me get your reaction to Joe Biden's first year in office. It has been most notable, I think, for a string of failures. Um, and and. His incompetence is reflected in abysmal poll numbers. Americans give him low marks on the economy, on inflation, on the pandemic, foreign policy, everything. Uh, and in my opening remarks, uh, I said that never before has an American president bombed so badly and performed so clumsily in such a short period of time. What do you think? Well, I think, first of all, that big government socialism does not work, that this has been the most uh, complete example of, of that kind of behavior. 
uh, and that uh, is, it's no accident that you had the former head of Walmart comment that the American stores right now resemble Soviet stores during the collapse of the Soviet Union and having nothing on the shelves. And this is in part a, a product directly of really bad policies on the left. I think in addition, uh, they, they're trapped in their own lies. They don't have any ability to solve these problems. And uh, I think there's a, there's a frightening pattern that uh, this could all compound. I mean, it, if, if victory leads on to victory, defeat often leads on to defeat. And you could see a downward spiral that would be very bad for the country, probably very good for Republicans, but very bad for the country. Yeah, your latest book is entitled, uh, propitiously, I would say, Beyond Biden. Uh, talk to us about that. Well, I, I sat down to write a book and decided that Biden would be so bad and the Biden-Harris team would be so bad that you didn't need an anti-Biden book. Uh, they, they, they would present their own case in reality. But what you did need was to reestablish a sense of hope and to point out that everything going wrong right now can be fixed and that we can bounce back and once again uh, be in a position to uh, be the most remarkable country in history, uh, to offer the most opportunity to the most people from the most backgrounds. And I think that that's really a, a very, very important concept. Our guest has been the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, his new book, Beyond Biden. Uh, Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening. <laughs>